What can we take away from Hulu's new reality show, Exposure? In this Top Chef-style competition, contestants are issued a smartphone and asked to complete photographic challenges. Between the reality TV tropes and product placement, it turns out we can learn quite a bit from it. Hello and welcome to this episode of Photo 365. My name is Andrew Hayworth. Today I'm taking a slight tour away from our normal programming because the other night I ran across a new photography-themed reality show called Exposure on Hulu. I nearly dismissed the show because, well, it's a reality show. But I'm glad I watched it because there's actually a lot we can gain from the show related to the creative process and producing images under pressure. If you haven't seen it, I'd encourage you to seek out at least the first episode of Exposure. Just a warning, there may be some spoilers coming up in the discussion. Anyway, here's a quick overview. Exposure is hosted by a guy named Cole Walliser of E! Red Carpet fame. I confess I have no idea who he is, but apparently he's done some really cool slow motion capture. He's joined by co-host and head judge Kat Jimenez, who seems to be one of the great cool hunters of our time. It looks like she's been at the forefront of the visuals of many trendy ad campaigns in recent years. And while she is a photographer, I gather she's more well-known as a curator of sorts. They're joined each week by a guest judge who's a content creator. And just as an aside, for some reason that term makes me feel old and sad. It's vague, soulless, and it devalues what we do. It implies our art is nothing more than filler. However, we are living in an age where users upload nearly a thousand photos to Instagram every second. So as creators, we're doing a pretty good job of devaluing art by volume alone. So I suppose the term content creator should be the least of our worries. Anyway, sorry for that rant. I'll go back to yelling at the sky after I finish recording this. Back to the show. We meet eight contestants from various cultural backgrounds who have skills ranging from street photography to conceptual portraiture. Their portfolios, at least of what were shown, all look amazing. There's even a self-professed momographer, Anna, who is around the same age as the other contestants, but because she doesn't dress like a hipster or wear horn-rimmed glasses, we're supposed to assume she isn't a, quote, serious artist. I immediately want to pull for her. All the reality show competition tropes are here. The cocky contestant, the strategist, the drama queen, the parent, who will probably talk about missing their kids and later be ejected off the show because that's how they always edit these things, right? There's an older person. In this case, he's 42 years old. I think that's still pretty young. Yet he acts like he's never touched a computer and so on. Following the popular reality show formula, it's not really about the results of the show so much as it is about the interpersonal drama and the backstory each contestant is required to have so the audience will presumably connect with them in some meaningful way. The judges tell the contestants they'll face a series of photographic challenges. The winner will take home a quarter-million-dollar contract with Samsung. Not too shabby. To accomplish this feat, each contestant is issued the latest and greatest Samsung smartphone for use during the competition. 
This is exclusively a mobile photography contest. Hence, we're told the overall winner of the show will earn the title America's Best Mobile Photographer. For credibility, host Cole solemnly informs us that smartphone images are so good nowadays that they're featured everywhere from art galleries to billboards. The contestants swoon over their new slabs of plastic and glass, and presumably the audience does too. They unbox their new Galaxy S21 Ultra 5G phablets, complete with a horrid-looking smartwatch that some strap on without hesitation. As you may have guessed, the show is sponsored by Samsung, and it feels like a commercial at times. If you've watched any streaming media lately, you've probably seen their most recent commercial for the Galaxy line. This is the one with the perfect blend of hipsters hanging out of car windows with their smartphones and traipsing through Joshua Tree taking photos of each other like they've just discovered Ryan McGinley. The competition kicks off with a flash challenge in which the contestants must create a hashtag throwback Thursday style image by recreating a photo from their childhood. They only have an hour to complete their assignments. To that end, they're sent off to personal studio spaces, apparently kitted out with a variety of props. It's interesting to see the creative process at work here, although I'm surprised by the arts and crafts nature of it all, the fabrication of props and so forth. One of the shooters gives us a brief lesson on perspective and camera placement, only to create his photo against drab gray seamless. Were they not allowed to leave the studio? Some of the compositions were obviously more successful than others, yet in almost every example, I felt like the original family photo was better than the resulting new shot. Maybe it was a case of the old shots simply having more weight because they were lovingly shot and featured genuine emotions. Or maybe there was some wabi-sabi at play. That's the Japanese notion of beauty and imperfection, which I think is reinforced by the snapshot quality of the original family photos, with their vintage-aged colors and amateurish style. They were just more interesting than the recreations. The Samsung phones indeed delivered images with what seemed to be plenty of resolution and detail, but they also felt too wide, too sharp, too flat, and too clinical. Just based on the contestants' portfolio images, I kind of expected a higher level of work, both technically and conceptually, in this first challenge. I was a little taken aback by their recreations because most contestants took a literal rather than a deconstructed approach. Although maybe it's better they played it safe because criticism from the judges was all over the map, albeit pretty gentle at this early stage. For instance, a competitor's use of a grain effect was noted by a judge as, quote, really smart and fun. I have to say that's the first time I've ever heard film grain described that way. For the main portfolio challenge, contestants were given a selection of famous portrait paintings and asked to create self-portraits based on them. I feel like it was basically an exercise in prop and wardrobe construction. The smartphones seemed to be the great equalizer in this regard, as everyone was working with the same tools and possibly unfamiliar with the phone and its quirks. Competitor Parker chose Vermeer's painting, Girl with a Pearl Earring, I felt like that was a good choice given the time constraints because it's a painting that is studied frequently in the photographic world for its dramatic lighting and posing. 
Also, it's a deceptively simple image with a nondescript background, and the contestant kind of resembled the girl in the painting. Now, I'll confess, I wasn't as familiar with the rest of the paintings featured, but they all seemed more difficult to pull off from a set and costume standpoint. Post-processing also seemed clunky, as it was performed on tablets and phones using what looked like the mobile version of Photoshop or something similar. Chris, the 42-year-old elder statesman of the group, nearly had a breakdown because he kept accidentally deleting his edits. Bad software? User error? Who knows? Trying to work without your normal, familiar tool set is crippling. His frustration reminded me of any time I've tried to edit a photo using the GIMP open source editor. It's just different enough to induce a level of cognitive dissonance that sends me running back to Adobe's Creative Cloud. Final judging of the photographs took place on a Videodrome-style screen that was just slightly smaller than a billboard. After all, what better way to showcase the 100-megapixel camera on the Galaxy? The most successful pieces were ones in which the photographer took liberties with the subject matter and changed it. For example, momtographer Anna chose to emulate a very simple painting of a woman in profile. She went off script with the very meta edition of a smartphone, implying that her subject was taking a selfie. The judges interpreted this as social commentary, perhaps the only social commentary during this entire episode, and she received rave reviews from the judges for the effort. The lamest critique came from host Cole Walliser, who seemed disappointed that Parker's fairly flawless girl with a pearl earring recreation didn't feature the cracked paint look. There were some other mixed messages from the judges. Jimenez criticized a couple pieces of work in which the eyes or catch lights were lost in shadow. Some judges praised photographers who took liberties with the recreations, but some were criticized for not recreating the original works to the letter, like that comment about the cracked paint. Eventually, New York fashion photographer Monroe Scott was sent packing. After his gender-bent take on the Russian painting Merchant's Wife at Tea was blasted for poor lighting and being a, quote, complete departure from the original painting. Street photographer Jose was proclaimed the winner for his spot-on recreation of a Dutch portrait of Rembrandt from the 1600s. This was an entertaining, slickly produced advertisement disguised as a competition. I loved it, and here are my takeaways. First off, let's talk about marketing. Some people are great at marketing themselves as photographers, and some of us can't stand doing it. The folks who are great at it always find new ways to creatively market themselves. I have to praise Samsung for actually creating an entire television show on Hulu to market their products, specifically the Galaxy S21 smartphone. It's a very sneaky strategy, and I wouldn't be surprised if we started seeing more programs like this from other companies who take this self-promotion to another level like this. That being said, the imagery produced on this first show wasn't good enough to get me the least bit excited about the S21. Samsung's entry into streaming shows serves as a reminder that as photographers, we should always be on the lookout for marketing ourselves in creative or unique ways. Second takeaway, using minimal equipment like a phone can produce decent images, but you need to know how to use it properly. 
As with any discipline, you have to know your gear. Third, focus on the eyes. Hopefully, this is one of the first lessons you learned as a photographer. The eyes must be in focus. The eyes allow us to connect with people in photographs. Think of Steve McCurry's portrait of Sharbat Gula, commonly known as the Afghan girl. You know this one. It graced the cover of National Geographic in 1985, and it's considered one of the most famous images ever produced. Why are we still drawn to that image more than 35 years later? It's the eyes. It's the haunted look of Sharbat's green eyes staring directly into the camera and directly at us. Next, you need to bring your own unique spin to your images, and I'm talking about that personal style again. In my opinion, the most successful images we saw on this show were the ones in which the photographer took liberties with their subject matter and didn't simply copy the source images verbatim. You have to put yourself into your images every time. Next takeaway, lighting and composition. These are the cornerstones of photography, and they can make or break a photo. The losing contestant in this first episode managed to really flub the lighting in the final, and no doubt that was the real reason he was sent packing. Next takeaway, I've heard the expression concerning how good video production is 90% moving furniture and 10% actually recording, or something along those lines. Often, the photographic act is just a small portion of the creative process. In this case, some of these photographers had to become prop, wardrobe, and set designers. The actual photographic act was the easy part, the proverbial 125th of a second. Next takeaway, there can be beauty in imperfection. Remember, I mentioned the amateurish childhood photos in the first challenge seemed more interesting than their remakes. Technically bad or imperfect images often have this striking effect. Maybe there is a certain quality of realism or a power in their candid, spontaneous nature. I'm going to link an excellent video in the show notes titled, When Bad Photos Are Better, and it specifically talks about this wabi-sabi effect. I think you'll really enjoy it. Remember, camera placement and lens selection can alter the psychological impact of a photo. For instance, the image of the guy shot from a high wide angle in the first challenge made him look smaller and more childlike in the frame. You can take an opposite approach and shoot someone from a low angle, which makes them look intimidating, imposing, and authoritative. This is Photo 101 level composition technique here, and if you want to see a great example of it, go back and watch Citizen Kane. Next takeaway. At the end of the day, a camera is a camera and light is light. Hardware doesn't matter much if the content of an image isn't compelling. And that doesn't matter if you're on a reality show or you're doing your own personal year-long project. Next hot take. Critiques on the show were every bit as frustrating as critiques in the real world. Images that were technically good but didn't spark much discussion ultimately seemed safe and kind of boring. The best and the worst of the bunch garnered the most interesting criticism. I don't know what's worse, being in the middle of the pack or in the bottom, where at least they're talking about you. And finally, working under pressure is hellishly difficult. 
especially when there's so much at stake, like that $250,000 prize, working with unfamiliar tools like a new smartphone and this alien TV production environment. Anyone would struggle under those conditions. Well, folks, that's going to do it for this little breakdown on Hulu's exposure. I did enjoy the show, and even knowing it's a Samsung commercial, I'm going to try and catch the rest of the episodes because I do believe there is something we can learn from it. If for nothing else, just being able to see the creative photographic process in action is worth the watch. I think we'll see increasingly better images from the contestants as they figure out their gear, get used to the environment, and learn more about how the judges gauge their work. And that in itself is a lesson to keep in mind, because photography is like any other discipline. We have to understand our tools and our audience and keep practicing so we can get better day by day. We'll be back next week with our regular show. Be sure to subscribe to Photo 365 if you haven't already. Our website is photo365podcast.com, and you can find the show anywhere you listen to podcasts. If you find the show helpful, please support us at buymeacoffee.com slash photo365. I'd love to see what you're working on, so please reach out, keep making images, keep making art, and we'll see you next time.